Hey, good morning, faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville and in our venue as well. I invite all of you to turn to Galatians 6. Galatians 6 is where we'll be this morning. We're continuing in our series, Set Free. Uh, got a lot of good stuff I want to get to, so I want to kind of dive in. But uh, uh, before we do, just say next week uh, we'll be in Galatians, and I'm even considering kind of a final wrap-up. We've been in this book since September, uh, and so maybe kind of doing a final wrap-up sermon. So I don't know if you could handle a couple more weeks in Galatians, but uh, I think that's what we're going to be. And if you're new with us this morning, we're thrilled that you're here. Um, like you may have never heard the word Galatians before, and you're like, what's this about? It's about the issue of freedom. Uh, What does it mean to have a life that's truly free? And we believe here that that freedom that we all long for is only found in Jesus Christ. And so we've been looking at what that means, uh, what a life of freedom uh, really is all about. So this morning, uh, we're back in Galatians, in Galatians 6, picking up in verse 1, very practical passage. Anybody up for just some practical life stuff? Uh, This is a beautiful passage that I think will really encourage us. So I'm going to ask if you're able in all of our locations to please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Galatians 6, verse 1, Paul says, "'Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, uh, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted.'" Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith." This is God's Word. Please pray for me uh, and pray for our time together now as we uh, listen to God through His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You for uh, the privilege of being able to be together uh, in this moment. Um, We have seen all throughout this series lives that have been transformed by the power of the gospel, that real freedom can happen in our life. Help us now see, for those of us that are living in that freedom, what it looks like in our life, how we can be about the freedom of others. I ask this in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I enjoy uh, war movies, and it's not because I really get a kick out of blood and gore and violence. Uh, It's because the reason why I like war movies is because I often find that there's a lot of life lessons to be learned on the battlefield, lessons like honor, lessons like endurance, lessons like sacrifice. And one of the lessons that you see depicted in a lot of war movies, and it's particularly gripping for me, is the commitment to no man left behind. That no matter what, every soldier must be accounted for. That no matter what, they are not going to be abandoned. They will not be neglected. They will not be 
forgotten. And this gets depicted in a lot of war movies, uh, but probably the clearest, uh, at least in my opinion, is a recent movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Many of you have probably seen the movie. It's the real story of a man by the name of Desmond Doss. Desmond received the Congressional Medal of Honor for his heroic effort in World War II. You see, after Pearl Harbor was attacked, Desmond wanted to serve his country. He was willing to sacrifice his life. He knew that this was a calling that had been placed on his life. There was just one catch. He refused to carry a weapon. Because Desmond did not have any interest in, at all in taking lives, he simply wanted to rescue lives. It's what got him the position of army medic. And one night on the island of Guam, Desmond would prove his unwavering commitment to making sure that no man was left behind. You know, because of Desmond's determination, he didn't just get one more. By the time the night was over, he had rescued 75 men. Men that could have died on the battlefield. Men that could have easily have been forgotten. But Desmond was the kind of person that was going to make sure that no one was left behind. And what drove him, as you heard repeated over and over in that clip, was that prayer, that constant prayer, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. Stories of people that sacrifice themselves for others are some of the most inspiring stories that we hear, that we see. And it doesn't even have to be at the level of combat. It doesn't have to be at the level of war. It could be, for instance, a teacher that simply sacrifices for a student. It could be a coach that goes the extra mile for a player. It could be a police officer that goes above the call of duty to help another. All of us are gripped when we see individuals that sacrifice themselves for the rescue of another. I need everybody to hear me for just a moment. Lakeville venue, everybody, I need you to hear what your pastor is about to say. If that's true on the battlefield, and if that's true in the classroom, how much more should that be true in the church of Jesus Christ? This ought to be of all places, a place where we are committed to seeing nobody left behind. That those of us that have experienced the freedom, the real freedom that Christ gives, will do whatever it takes to see every man, every woman, every teenager, every child living in that same freedom. Amen? Say it this, this simply, free people do whatever it takes to free people. Free people free 
people. That's exactly what Paul teaches us here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if any is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, as Paul begins to end this letter, he want, he's been talking about freedom over and over again. He wants the Galatians to understand, this is important, faith family, that freedom is a community project. That we need one another to live in this freedom that's ours in Christ. And that's why, if you've been following along, the, the, the change in the text has been obvious where Paul has been talking about relationships. Go back, for instance, in chapter 5, because Paul didn't have chapter divisions. So here's what he says leading up, chapter 5, verse 13. You are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, for yourself, but through love serve, say this with me, one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour, here it is, one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Chapter 5, verse 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In other words, the, the, it's clear in the text that Paul is talking about how this freedom gets lived out in relationship to others. I'm going to teach you two things this morning from Galatians 6. Two things that free people do to free people. You ready? Free people, free people in two ways. Number one is this, is that those who have gospel freedom, they will bear others' burdens. Gospel freedom bears burdens. In verse 1, Paul refers to somebody that is trapped in sin. And then in verse 2, he refers to somebody that is carrying a burden or under a burden. Now, likely the context here is somebody has fallen in sin. That's probably the specific application. But there's even a more general application of somebody that's carrying a heavy burden in life. You ever been there? You ever had something in life that just weighed you down? It was a burden to your heart and to your soul. And so whether you see somebody that's in sin, that's the burden, or they're carrying like the burden of suffering, there's something that you should do. Now, the picture here is that of like an animal that's been captured by something. They've been trapped and they can't get out. And, and we don't know what this is that Paul is addressing, uh, the, the sin or the suffering. It could be an addiction. It could be an unhealthy relationship. It could be a sinful attitude. It could be pride. Uh, it could be that you see in somebody the need for constant approval. Here's what I think it is. I wouldn't take persecution over this. Um, but I think it could be you see somebody that has fallen into false teaching. Wouldn't that fit the context of the book? Because the Galatians, many of them had been influenced by the Judaizers that had said it's Jesus plus your works in order to be right with God. And Paul has to say, no, 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 it's faith in Jesus alone that makes one right with God. But whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm not here to argue with that, what the issue is. Here's what is clear from the text. Namely, you have a fellow soldier in Christ that has been wounded on the battlefield, and you must not leave them behind. 
It is your responsibility to care for one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, whatever they may be. And you know what? I had this thought as I was preparing for this message. I thought, do you realize that this letter wouldn't have even needed to be written had the Galatians been doing their job? Had the Galatians actually been in one another's life, in a way that they would be calling out error and sin, Paul would not have even needed to write the letter. Because freedom is a community project. Now I want to ask a few questions of the text that will help us see how this gets lived out, how, how, the, uh, how what Paul is teaching here is. First question is, what should you do? What should you do when you see somebody carrying a heavy burden or that's in sin? What do you do? Paul says, first thing you do is post it on Facebook. That's the very first thing you do. We all know that. That's obvious, right? The second thing you do is gossip about it in the form of a prayer request. Okay, that's how spiritual Christians gossip, right? They just turn it into a prayer request. You've seen people do that. Or, and then thirdly, just let the elders deal with it. So that's, that's what you do when you see somebody in trouble and sin, post it on Facebook, gossip about it in the form of a prayer request, and let the elders handle it. Is that what the text says? No, it's not even close, right? Uh, do you get the sarcasm? Because I'm laying it on really thick, all right? Paul says, you, everybody, Lake Gilvin, you say you... You must do two things. You must confront and carry. Confront, I didn't say conceal and carry. That's a whole other sermon, all right? I said confront and carry, that is. Confront the issue and carry the burden. Now, the reason why I'm emphasizing the word and is because both are important. In other words, I see people that love to confront. They got no problem pointing out your error. Do you know people like this? All right, don't like call out their name or point at them right now, okay? But, but you know people, they, they would be happy to expose your bad teaching and your theological error and your sin, and they love it, but they don't do a stinking thing to help. They're all about problem and never about solution. But then there's other people on the other extreme that they will carry, but they won't confront. They will bake you a cake and sing at your wedding, but they won't address anything in your life. You must do both. You must confront the issue, and you must see how you can carry the burden. Now, some implications here. Number one, uh, you're going to have burdens. Amen? But that's part of life. If you've not had any burdens, cheer up. They're coming, okay? <laughs> Give it time. This is part of life. We're all going to find ourselves in seasons of sin, and we're going to find ourselves in seasons of suffering where we're burdened. Some of you are here today, and you're in that season right now. That's why we have tried our best through the preaching of the gospel to create a place where it's okay to not be okay. It's okay not, your burdens are welcome here, and you can leave your mask at the door. This is a part of life in a fallen world. Implication two, this is important, you aren't meant to carry them alone. 
You aren't meant to carry them alone. I don't care how strong you think you are. You aren't meant to carry these burdens alone. That's why the Bible says, cast your anxieties on him and bear one another's burdens. You're not supposed to do this by yourself. Freedom is a community project. And thirdly is, this is where I struggle, and some of you will be able to relate to this, is you need to let other people carry your burdens. And some of you, like, you're like me. It's like you have a hard time actually letting people come alongside to help you. Do you know what that's called? It's called pride. And can I remind you that God hates pride? You say, but pastor, I don't want to be a burden. Have you ever said that? I don't want to be a burden. Well, guess what? You're being a burden by not letting anybody carry your burdens. So stop being a burden and let somebody else help. You're going to carry them. You're not meant to carry them alone. And you must let others help. It is what the body of Christ is Four. So the first question is, what do I do? Everybody, Lakeville Venue, what do we do? Confront and carry. Let's try it again. You can do better. We're going to confront and carry. There you go. Good job. Very practical. Second question, who should do it? Who should do this? Well, in verse 1, Paul says uh, that you who are spiritual should restore him. So Paul clearly says you've got to be super spiritual to be able to do this. Only people that are allowed are super Christians, okay? Apostles are allowed to do this. Uh, clearly, elders are allowed to do this. Uh, you have to be a part of the varsity team at Berean before you can do this. And you're like, well, I don't know who the varsity team is at Berean. Don't worry, we're going to post it on our website this afternoon, right? You'll be able to know who the varsity team is here. Again, the sarcasm, it's my spiritual gift, right? Um, The reason why I'm saying that is because some of you will read that verse and say, but I'm not that spiritual, right? I'm not a real spiritual person. Clearly, I can't do this. You numb-numb. Paul's not talking about that. All you got to do is go back to chapter 5. What does he mean by spiritual? Those that walk according to the spirit. He's not talking about hugging trees and crossing your legs and humming kumbaya. That's not Paul's idea of spirit, spiritual. He's talking about those who have the Holy Spirit. And guess who has the Holy Spirit? Every Christian. So whose responsibility is this? Yours. It's all of our responsibilities to care for one another and see that no one is left behind. What do we do? Confront and carry. Who does it? Christians. Those who have the Spirit. And then how do we do it? What's our approach to be as we confront and carry? Paul says you do it in humility. Verse 1, he says, you do it in a spirit of gentleness. That's the same Greek as humility. And now let's read verse 3 together. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. So it's clear in the passage, Paul is saying, you don't do this with an arrogant heart. You don't say, it serves you right. What a terrible Christian. (laughs) I would never do something like that. The point? They've already been wounded by sin. They don't need your self-righteous salt added to the wound. They've already been wounded enough! You 
to come along with your arrogant heart and how perfect you are and sprinkle a little bit of that on the wound? No. And you wouldn't do it anyways if you were walking in the truth of the gospel because in the gospel you would understand your own sin, namely that A, you've done the same thing, B, you could have easily done the same thing, or C, you very well might do the same thing, but by the grace of God go you. You don't approach the brother, the sister, the family member, the co-worker, the, the church member. You don't approach them with arrogance and pride. Now, I don't know if you know this. I, I don't tend to flaunt this very much, but I'm a doctor. I, re- I really am a doctor. Uh, not, a, not a medical doctor. I did stay at a Holiday Inn recently, so I don't know if that qualifies. But I thought what I would do is give you Dr. Feltner's medical advice. Okay, I don't know if you want this, but you're going to get it anyways. Here's Dr. Feltner's prescription for your life. Ready? Here it is on the screen. Drink a heavy dose of gospel medicine before you treat another's wound. That's good. That's good, right? I'm shocked I wrote that. That's good. That's really good. Some of you are like, he really is a doctor. Oh, wow. But I'm serious. Drink a heavy dose of gospel medicine before you treat somebody else's wound. And it's not just in the approach. I think it's even after the approach. Like sometimes we come in with a humble heart, but we leave with arrogance, like almost like out of Aladdin. Man, you ain't never had a friend like me. (laughs) What would you do without me? Like, the next time you're around me, would you just sing How Great Thou Art? You know, would you just do that? Because clearly, I solved your problem. You better be careful. You better be careful. Because if you approach or leave with a prideful heart, guess who's falling next? The point, faith family, for all of us, your approach to others will depend entirely on your attitude of self. Your approach to others will depend entirely on your attitude of self. So right here, everybody, Lakeville venue with me, what do we do? Confront, carry, who does it? All Christians. And how do we do it? In humility, with a full dose of gospel medicine before we walk in the room. Here's the next question, and the final question I want to ask under this point is, why should we do it? Why should we do it? Number one is to restore to restore. You notice it in verse 1. If anyone's caught in a transgression, you are spiritual, should restore him. Now, that Greek word, the idea of restore is the idea of setting a bone back in place. So you see an image like this, right? Some of you have maybe gone through something like this. You know that what's coming next is not going to feel good. Listen, but it's got to happen. Uh, If you're a parent, you've gone through this before. I remember when my son was really young, fell and absolutely busted his chin wide open. I had to take him to the ER. He got stitches all on his chin. And it was was like more painful for me to watch him go through that. And and some of you, you know what that's like. Uh, but, But it had to happen or he wouldn't heal. Can I talk to you? 
There are people in your life that are never going to walk in freedom if you don't say something, if you don't step in and love. Because the bone's never going to heal. If they could do it on their own, they would have already done it. They need you to minister to them for the goal of restoration. The problem is, in our culture, we can't stand correction. Our culture is one negative tweet away from a hissy fit. That's deep, theologically, right there, right? That's deep. You should write that down. We are one negative tweet away from a hissy fit. Man, we are such a thin-skinned culture. But what does the Bible tell us? Proverbs 27, verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse, disgusting are the kisses of an enemy. You know it, but it's worth saying love is not telling people what they want to hear. It's telling them what they need to hear. Because we want them restored. We want them healthy. We want them free. Free people. Free people. Here's a second reason why we do it. It's not just to restore, but secondly, to reflect. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Go back to chapter 5 and verse 14. Uh, It says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, That's what the law of Christ is. It's love. In fact, do you remember last week? You should. It was just last week. Uh, When we talked about part of the uh, seeing the fruit of the Spirit produced in our life is about abiding in the vine. It's about abiding in Jesus. And we went to John 15. Do you know what verses come right after the verses in John 15 on abiding? Well, I'll tell you. Here's what they are. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this, uh, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Do you see that? That's the law of Christ. And, and I wonder, quick little side note for those of you that have been going through the series, I wonder if this is a jab at the Judaizers, as if to say adding law increases burdens, but abiding in love carries burdens. That's why we don't walk around with the law saying, oh, you broke that one, oh, you broke that one. Oh, you. All we're doing is adding burdens to your life. What you're to be about is how can I help? How can I confront the sin in your life and help carry your burden to the point of restoration? And not just restoration, but that I might reflect the very love of Jesus in serving you. Because is that not the gospel? Romans says that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died. In other words, we as Christians know that love is what bore our greatest burden. Amen? Love bore our greatest burden. And that means, watch, when you carry somebody else's burden, you're reflecting the love of Christ. Now, here's what I hear all the time in churches and other places. It drives me crazy. Well, pastor, it's none of my business. It's none of your business. Oh, really? You do realize that if Jesus had taken that approach, you'd be in hell right now. If Jesus would have looked at us and said, look at them trapped in their sin, none of my business. No. 
Praise God that God made our sin his business. Which means if you want to reflect the gospel, if you really love your family member, if you really love your coworker, if you really love your brother and sister in Christ, you will confront and you will carry in humility for the sake of the love of Christ. Don't tell me it's none of your business. We reflect Jesus when we enter in to serve for the beauty of restoration. But there's a third reason why we do this, and it has to start with an R, because the other two did, right? So it's rewards. Rewards. Uh, Verse 4 and 5 are very difficult verses. In fact, they almost feel like a contradiction to everything else that Paul has just said, but I'm going to show you how they actually make a very powerful point. First, let's read them. Galatians 6 verse 4. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone. Wait a minute. You just said, don't think much of yourself. Like, Paul, did you walk away and come back five years later and write this verse? Like, what happened? But it gets worse. Keep reading. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. Whoa! You just said carry one another's burdens. Now you're saying you got to carry your own. I don't get it. There's two things you need to see in this text that help you understand the point that Paul is making. Number one, the phrase, test your works, is a very important phrase in Scripture, and and it's a shift. It's pointing us to final judgment. If you want, I won't have to have time this morning, but go read 1 Peter chapter 1, where it talks about the testing of your works that will be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul here, certainly in the minds of the readers, would have shifted to the judgment when we stand before God. Clue number two, the Greek word for load in verse 5 is not the same one as burden in verse 2. Everybody with me? Lakeville venue? The the word for load in verse 5 is the idea that you've been given a responsibility to carry. The best way I could illustrate this is like, think of like a mailman or, or, or somebody in the post office. You've been given a package, you've been given a backpack, you've been given a load, and it's your responsibility to deliver that. That's the idea behind this Greek word. So we're talking about judgment, and we're talking about specific responsibilities that you've been given. So here's what the verse means, and it's awesome. You ready? God has given you specific opportunities, loads, to help others, and you don't want to stand before God and have nothing to show for the opportunities you were given. That's, do you believe in the judgment? I'm asking you. Then live like it. Do you really want to stand before God knowing that there'll be rewards on that day and have nothing to show for the opportunities that you were given? Don't expect the elders to carry the backpack that God has given you. Preach, preacher. I'll amen that point. (laughs) You want to sit around and say, I'll let somebody else do that. Well, then why are they in your life? And that's somebody else. Well, then why do they live in your neighborhood? 
Nah, but it's not a rat. Yeah, but why have they worked next to you for the last three years? That's your load to carry. That's your ministry that God has given you, and you need to live now in light of then. Galatians, confront and carry in humility so that you will restore, so that you will reflect, and because there are coming rewards. That's the passage. Free people, free people. Now, the problem at this point is I've only covered one point. There's a whole second point to give. I have no idea what I'm going to do, all right? So with a little bit of time that i got live, I want to show you the second point of the passage of what free people do, and it's going to get awkward. Here's the point. Not only do free people bear burdens, but free people remove burdens. Now, let me ask you, by the way, it's going to get awkward. It's going to get awkward for me. Uh, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Okay, good. Four people trust me. That's... <laughs> I was hoping for two. I got four. We're good. Here's what I mean, uh, and, I, and I'm serious about this. Like, what I mean by do you trust me is for the last four years, have I proven to you that all I'm trying to do is tell you what the text says? You don't have to agree with me, clearly. That, that's part of it. But, but I, I try my best every week to just say, Here, here's what the text says. Whether you like it or don't, doesn't matter to me. This is what God says. That's what preaching is. So I need you to give me the freedom to teach what's next without you thinking I have an agenda. All right? Can we agree to that? Okay. So here's what the text says. Let the one, verse 6, who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Here's what Paul is saying. Galatians not only should you carry the burdens of one another, you should relieve the burdens of your pastors. And I know you're like, but that's self-serving. It's what the text says. Think of me what you want. That's what the text says. To say it in a simple way, minister to your ministers. They carry a heavy load, a heavy burden. And not in a negative sense, but ministry is difficult. And if you don't think it is, you're welcome to say that, but you're not welcome to say that to my face. <laughs> you post that on Facebook, it's on. Let's go. <laughs> Paul is specifically addressing those that carry a heavy burden. That is the call of God on their life to shepherd the people of God in teaching the truth. And you ought to be generous to them, is what Paul is saying. And this isn't the only place he addresses it. First Corinthians chapter 9, it was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, the thresher thresh in hope, and the sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? In the same way, verse 14, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Paul didn't always take that right, but he always advocated for that 
right. I'll give you one more. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer, quoting uh, Luke 10 and Jesus, the laborer deserves his wages. Now, What makes this conversation awkward is that we all know that televangelist that loves to take these verses out of context. That's not what we're doing. In fact, let me be clear, this church is very gracious to our staff. I am not coming to you out of need. Secondly, avoid the extremes of of the interpretation. One is like private jets. You know, it's like God has given me a word that the church needs to give me a private jet. That's not what we're talking about. Now, if you have one you're not using, you'd like to donate that. I'm just kidding. That is a joke. Lakeville venue, that is a joke, all right? But, but I'm not talking that kind of extreme of like just being extravagant to that end. It's not what I'm talking about. But I'm also not talking about the other end where it's like rice and beans and you've got like some of the cheapest people I know are Christians. They'd call it frugal, but it's cheap. <laughs> and man, there's like an evangelical guilt that like if you're a pastor, you better not be driving anything newer than the 80s. It's like, come on, man. What's the deal? I just want to say no to both of those. There was a a famous missionary in Africa. His name was C.T. Studd. You got to like that name, all right? It's like, hey, what's your name? Name Studd. You can just call me Studd, all right? Anyways, C.T. Studd, is a story told about him, about his response whenever he would receive financial support while on the mission field. Early on in his ministry, he received lots of financial support, and when he would open the letters, he would say, bless God. He knows what a bunch of grumblers we are, and he has given enough to keep us quiet. Later on in his ministry, less support started coming in. Stud said, bless God, we must be growing in grace. He thinks that we must learn to trust him. Later on in his ministry, there was a day when nothing came in. Stud's response Bless God, we must be in the kingdom already, for there will be neither eating or drinking. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's good. Here's the point that I want to share with you. Here's the point from God's word, and I trust that you're trusting me. It's this. One of the marks of a gospel-centered church is gospel-centered generosity to support gospel-centered ministry. One of the marks of a gospel-centered church is there is gospel-centered generosity because we love gospel-centered ministry. Two quick implications. One, don't take gospel ministry for granted. And I ain't just talking about the guy up here on the stage. I'm saying think in your life who teaches you. It may be a parent. It may be an ABF leader. It may be a missional community leader. It may be a youth worker. Uh, who knows? But whoever is blessing you with the truth, be a blessing to them. Help relieve burdens. And secondly is don't make gospel ministry harder. Don't make gospel ministry harder. It's hard enough, Paul's saying, don't, add, don't be a people that add burdens. Be a people that help relieve burdens. Because there's a principle at play. We'll, we'll wrap it up with this, all right? Uh, the principle is found in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
whatever one sows, he will also reap. He's then going to go on and talk about sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the spirit, reaping corruption, that is things that fade away, or eternal things. Here's the point, and you already know it. It's if you reap corn, you get corn. If you sow discord, uh, you get unhealthy relationships. If you don't study, you don't pass. There's kind of this sowing and reaping reality that we know in life. Paul's point is just to say this. If you sow your life into earthly things, those things pass. If you sow your life into ministry, eternal things, you reap eternal things. So don't grow weary in doing good. What do free people do? Verse 10 is the summary and we're done. Free people do this. So then, as we have opportunity, that there's the load in verse 5, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Free people. Free people. Free people, free people. They are absolutely committed to making sure that no one is left behind. Because that's more than a military slogan and it's more than a feel-good story. Look at me. It's the heart of the gospel Because do you realize that every single one of us was trapped in sin? And God sent His Son to not only carry our burden, but to relieve our burden forever. That was His mission. And in a lesser way, it's ours too. So I plead with you with the unwavering commitment of Desmond Doss on that battlefield to approach each day with a simple prayer. Lord, give me the strength to help one more. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word to us this morning. So practical. Freedom is a community project. Free people, free people. You you didn't give us this freedom for us to sit around and just enjoy it ourselves. You gave us this freedom for ministry to not use as an opportunity for the flesh, but to love. And so I pray this morning, if there's somebody here and they are under the burden of suffering, that they would let somebody carry their burden. In just a moment, we'll have a time where they can pray with somebody. Even in our prayer room, there'll be people waiting to say, how can we carry the burden that's going on in your life? Others are carrying the burden of salvation. They're trying their best to, to earn their own freedom, and it just doesn't work that way. Freedom comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that they would look to Jesus and say, I believe that on the cross you bore my greatest burden, the burden of sin. I surrender. You know, every heart and every need, help us understand what it means that free people, free people. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.